Good morning. Exodus chapter 11 and 12 is where we will be this morning. Before we get started into the sermon, I'd like to take a moment to recognize Memorial Day weekend. Since our nation's founding, 1.5 million men and women have died in military action. The total number of wounded warriors is now 2.5 million. There's another 38,000 plus soldiers that have been classified as missing in action. They paid the ultimate sacrifice because they believed in the purposes and ideals of this great nation. So this morning, if you have someone that has been your family member or someone that you would call friend that has paid the ultimate sacrifice or has been wounded, I'd like you to please stand this morning, just right where you're at. And I'd like us to take a moment right now for us just to reflect and think about these who paid the sacrifice to purchase really this day for us to come worship in this great land. Let's pray. Father, we take for granted so much. And Lord, right now in these moments, we say thank you for those who gave their lives to help purchase our freedom. So Lord, today, help this worship service to count for eternity. God, thank you for those who suffered and fought for us to be able to worship freely. God, be with our friends today who have lost loved ones, who have been injured. God, would you wrap your arms around them, God, and would you give them healing today through the power of your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Exodus chapter 11 and 12, we've been going on a journey through the book of Exodus, and here we are. We're on the 10th plague today. I've got a slide to show you. Uh, You will notice these are really nine of the false gods that were defeated through the previous plagues. The first one there you see in the blue top left corner, that is Happy, and uh, that's the Egyptian god of the Nile. Her skin is blue because representing water. And God showed his power over this false god through the blood plague. He turned the water to blood. The next one you see, Hecate, the Egyptian goddess of fertility, water renewal. There, the, the one, the top second from the left, you notice on the right side, you'll see the head of a frog. And God showed his power over this false god through the, the frog plague. Next, you see Geb, the god of, was the, dust of the god of the dust of the earth. We saw lice. Kefri, God of creation, movement of the sun, rebirth, had the head of a fly. Maybe you can see that. It's really small. But Next, Hathor, goddess of love and protection, had the head of a cow. See that top right corner? And God showed his power over this false god with the livestock plague. Next, Isis, Egyptian goddess of medicine and peace. We saw God through the plague of the boils. Nut, the Egyptian goddess of the sky. We saw the plague the hail fell from the sky. Seth, the Egyptian god of storms and disorder. And God showed his power with the locusts. 
And then the bottom right is Ra, the sun god. Last week we saw the darkness plague. Darkness came for three days. And then the next slide, you'll see Pharaoh. And that's what today's about. God's shown his power over Pharaoh. He's defeated. And then the undefeated champion is Jesus himself. Undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. King of kings. He's undefeated to this day. So here we see in chapter 11, we're going to cover a lot of ground this morning, so put your roller skates on, be ready. Chapter 11, we're going to read now in its entirety, and then we'll get to chapter 12 in a second. To give us some context, previous chapters, there were nine plagues prophesied, there were nine plagues fulfilled. And today, the tenth plague would be the worst. It would be the most horrific, where God would kill the firstborn of every family. This plague would affect every social caste, every background, wherever you live. Let's see what happens. Chapter 11, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. And afterward he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask. Every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. So Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle, there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been, nor ever will be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you. And after that, I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. And the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh. And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he did not let the people of Israel go out of his land. You see, in chapter 11... God basically talks to Moses in the first few verses. In the rest of these verses, it's God speaking to Pharaoh. And there at the end, Moses is upset. He's pretty hot. He's pretty, uh, pretty hacked off. He, he knows that many will die if Pharaoh will not surrender. It breaks his heart because he knows God, when God says something, it happens. Moses is frustrated with Pharaoh and it's a righteous anger. For taking notes, the first point today is that the blood of the Lamb is needed. We see that in chapter 11. The blood of the Lamb is needed for salvation. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Did you know that? The Bible says that God in no way he can clear the guilty because he's holy. Someone has to pay the price for sin. Not only would God be delivering the Israelites, but he is painting a picture of the gospel for the whole world to see. Next we see that the people are saved by applying the blood of 
the blood by faith. People would take a hyssop, a hyssop leaf. I need a volunteer to help me. Daniel, do you know where the pastor's office is? Please go. It's unlocked. The door's kind of difficult. It's open. Uh, there's, a, there's a little leaf underneath my computer. It's a hyssop leaf, and I forgot it. Would you please go get that for me, please, sir? Thank you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. <laughs> the people are saved by applying the blood by faith. People cannot save themselves from the penalty of death. They need Christ, the Lamb of God. See, there's no difference between the firstborn of Egypt and the firstborn of Israel. It's only the house that had the blood applied where God would pass over, where the death angel would pass over. Next, let's see what happens in chapter 12. We're going to read verses 1 through 32. Verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day, what day, church? The tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his dearest, his nearest, I said dearest neighbor. Anybody have a dearest neighbor? His nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorsteps and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire. Thank you, sir. With unleavened bread and bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water. That's probably a really good idea. Don't do that. But roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. Sunday lunch, sounds good. Verse 10. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning, until that remains, until the morning you shall burn. Anything that remains you shall burn. Verse 11. In this manner you shall eat of it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt both man and beast, and on the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. You see that phrase, I am? Remember Moses, burning bush? Lord, who do I say is sending me? I am. Who is I am? I am that I am. Hayah, I am the Lord. I have been, I am, and I always will be. I am the Lord. Verse 13. The blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day. That's convenient. Today's Memorial Day weekend. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord, and throughout your generations as a statute forever. 
You shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out from your house, out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but whatever everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month, from the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwelling places you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? You shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshiped. Then the people of Israel went and did so. So the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, and Aaron. So they did. Take a breath. Wow. Here we see in the first part of chapter 12 that God gives instructions for worship. Did you know that God wants worshipers? He does. That's why we exist to display worship to the Lord. In the previous chapters, we see prophecy, plague, prophecy, plague. And all of a sudden, kind of stuck here in the middle of nowhere in chapter 12 is this cycle. Stuck in this cycle is all of a sudden instructions for worship. And the placement of these instructions show us the priority of God's worship. And basically, it tells us that Israel had never had organized public worship of God. So a few things happened. First, God redefines Israel's calendar. So if you're taking notes, God redefines Israel's calendar. God redefines Israel's calendar. Verses, verses 1 through 13. Well, before we talk about that, did you know that the Lord basically, he told Israel... He kind of just ruined their routine. Anyone like to get in a routine and then God messes it up or something interferes and it drives you crazy? Let me ask you this question. Do you plan the Lord around your calendar 
Or do you plan your calendar around the Lord? So the first thing he does, God redefines Israel's calendar. The next thing that he does is he initiates the Passover. He gives clear instructions. He says, don't boil it in water. Don't break the bones of the lamb, which is a foreshadow to the crucifixion. Give specific details. God defines the what, the when, and the how of worship. Not tradition in the Southern Baptist Church or the Methodist Church or the Catholic Church. Not a human. Not the most trendy blog on the internet. But God defines the what, the when, the how of worship. And if we're going to worship the Lord and we want it to be acceptable in God's sight, we need to be careful to know what he desires in worship. The Bible tells us that we must worship in spirit and in truth and to come into his courts with thanksgiving. We should never seek to worship the Lord with strange fire, as many try to do. Worship, we talked about it a few months ago, it means worth-ship. He is worthy. It means it's not about our preferences, it's about him. He wants worship to define his people. Worship is not what we do, but it should be who we are. And God grounds his worship in real acts of human history. Aren't you grateful for that this morning? We're not just singing to God because. We're singing because he actually created the universe. He created earth. He created us in our mother's womb. We worship him because of the things that he has actually physically done. Isn't that awesome? The flood. The exodus. The virgin birth. The life of Christ. The death of Christ, the resurrection, the miracle at Pentecost, the supernatural hand of God on the early church and throughout the the history of the church and the modern church. God is doing stuff. God is here. He's not far off. That's why we can worship him in a personal way. He brings Israel out of Egypt before he gives Before he brings them out, he gives them instructions for worship. Next, we see that he initiates the Feast of Unleavened Bread, verses 14 through 20. He says, guys, I want you to have a week-long celebration, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And he talks about yeast, and yeast represented Egypt. Yeast represented sin. And the removal of yeast represented the removal of sin and the world. God said, I want my people to be holy, to be set apart, to be different. Church, we need to stop trying to be like the world. He wants us to be different. He wants us to be Jesus freaks. He wants us to be unashamed of the gospel. Friend, do you blend in with the world every week? When people look at you in your life and the way you talk, do they notice something different about you? They know that the Lord is inside of you. The Lord wants our focus of our worship to be on his act of salvation. He wants us to focus on the truth that he has saved us. Psalm 29 verse 2 says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. See, we can't worship the Lord truly 
unless we've been born again, unless we've been saved and the blood's been applied to our life. Otherwise, we're just a noisy gong because God is holy. Verses 21 through 28, basically we see the Israelites to to save time. They followed the Lord's instructions. Next, let's see what happens. Verse 29 through 31. The tenth plague, the death of the firstborn. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon. And all the firstborn of the livestock. Pharaoh rose up in the night. He and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a cry, a great cry in Egypt. For there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel. And go serve the Lord, as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone. And bless me also. When it says, and he summoned Moses and Aaron, the Hebrew there doesn't necessarily indicate that they were face to face. Basically, he sent them a message to get out of town, get out of Dodge. We, we give up. He threw up the white flag. The firstborn are slain. If you're taking notes, the firstborn are slain. God will show he is the God of life and death. You may say, well, this seems kind of harsh, right? I mean, this is kind of brutal that God would kill the firstborn of every house. Well, you see, Egypt had kept God's son, Israel, as slaves and treated them brutally and their prayers had made their way to God's ear. And now God is delivering judgment. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You know, if a crime happens to you or to a member of your family, you want that person to pay the price to face justice, right? The problem in America is we don't have many judges left that stand up for truth and are fair and righteous. But God is a perfect judge. He's a good judge. And because of that, he knows that Every day, every week, every month, in Egypt, these false gods that we showed on the screens, you know what they required? The firstborn of every family. And these people were sacrificing their own children to these false gods who couldn't even talk. You think that broke God's heart? Yes. The Lord is a righteous judge. We see that death visits every house without the blood. Death visits every house without the blood. The blood is sufficient to provide protection. The Lord gave them clear instructions to kill a lamb, to take that blood, and to do what with it? To take a hyssop. Hyssop grew out around rocks. This is a hyssop leaf from Israel. Don't tell the U.S. Customs, but I snuck this back in. I figured the Lord gave me permission. but And if you boil this, by the way, ancient medicine 
They, they couldn't go down to the pharmacy, so they would boil hyssop and drink it, and it, was, it ailed your stomach. It cleansed you, and it would cleanse you literally from the inside out. So maybe it's just coincidence, but the Lord, you remember what David prayed in Psalms? Lord, purge me, cleanse me with hyssop, that I may be white as snow. But take the hyssop, dip it in the blood, and apply it on the doorposts. Both sides, and then at the top. You see that? Make it a cross. See that? And you folks with the Catholic background thought you made that up. Isn't that awesome? Foreshadow of the cross. And the houses where the blood was applied, those houses were passed over. Death visits every single house without the blood. Now notice, do you think the people that applied that blood, they probably thought, well, this is very bizarre. Lord, what are you thinking? You ever been there? God, what in the world are we doing here? But they did it anyways because they had a little bit of faith. And they put the blood, and then they waited. Now, I'm certain that there were some Israelite people, some Israelite dad and mom, brother, sister, who were nervous. And they were thinking, did we apply that blood the right way? I'm sure there was a little Johnny in some house that went back out there and got the lentil and put back in the blood and put it all over the door. Dad, I got it covered. We got to protect big bro. But certainly they had doubts. Great symbolism there. Friend, it's not about how much faith you have. It's the fact that you have a little bit of faith in the Lord, in the right object of your faith. We as believers, we can have doubts. But we can trust God's word when he says something. He's trustworthy. And so they passed over the homes where the blood was applied by faith. By faith. You had to have faith in the Lord to actually go through this process. And the people that totally discounted God's word, what happened? Tragedy. Judgment. Righteous judgment. You see, some of you are still probably struggling, as I do. With I'm still struggling with the fact that the Lord has killed the firstborn. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And when you create life, when you create the earth and the universe and the cosmos and the stars, you have the right to take it. As much as we like that or do not like that, he is God. Have you applied the faith, have, not the faith, have you applied the blood by faith this morning on your life? Friend, if you have not, I want to encourage you. I want to plead with you. It's not about doing a bunch of good works to have a relationship with God. It's not about checking all the right boxes. But the key, the answer, is by put, placing your faith in the blood of Jesus this morning. 
Next, we see the Israelites plunder the Egyptians. In chapter 11, we just read it, verse 2. The Lord told Moses that this would happen, that you will plunder the Egyptians. You say, well, man, the Lord, I'm just really confused because now he's telling them to rob the Egyptians. Well, technically, no. The Israelites were never sold into slavery. Did you know that? They really weren't slaves. They came, you remember, it was Joseph and his family came to to Egypt. Just one day, the Egyptians just decided, hey, you guys are going to be our slaves. But technically, they really were not slaves. And Egypt owed Israel their wages. See, they weren't paying them all the benefits that they should. They weren't paying in Social Security to the Israelites like they should have been. And so basically, they're asking back their wages, their back wages, so to speak. Friend, you can let the world decide your identity like the Egyptians decided who the Israelites were going to be. Or you can listen to the Lord and what he says about you. God says about his people, you are holy, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, you're perfect through the blood of Christ. Is that your identity this morning? Is your identity in Christ secure? Do you realize that when God saved you, he set you free from your sin, past, present, and future? He purchased a place for you in heaven forever? When you sing to the Lord, do you believe that? We see here in this, these verses that Moses was great. God gave Moses favor so he could lead God's people. Let's continue to see what happens. Verse 33. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened. Their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them. For they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. If you're going to go to the desert for a really long time, you need something, some way to make money. And so they would use these resources in the coming years. Verse 36. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. Easily would have been over one million people. A mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt. For it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt. And could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. The time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on, the very, on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. Wow. 
When the wrath of God comes, you want to be on God's side. There is protection with the Lord. So complete is his protection that the dogs don't even bark at you on your way out of Egypt. God's people, one million plus, just strolled out of captivity. It's a picture of how God saves people out of his wrath. It's that simple. When you come to know the Lord and when you have the blood of Christ applied to your life, he really does break the shackles. He really does set you free. There are no strings attached. You're free. You're good. It's a picture of the gospel. And when God judges the world, all people will suffer God's righteous judgment. And any life where the blood is not applied, you will be held accountable for your sin. You say, well, I don't like that. Well, like it or not, he's God and that's the way it is. There's many times that I may be uncomfortable about God's word, what it says to me. That's why it's so difficult for us to read this much scripture. You know why? Because it directly confronts our sin. It directly confronts our life. And we're uncomfortable with that. It's intrusive. It's offensive. We have offended God. It's his earth. It's his air that we breathe. It's his heart that's beating in your chest. By the way, did you know that your heart beats over 100,000 times a day? Fascinating random fact that I discovered last week studying for prayer meeting. Did you know that your eyeball has over 2 million working parts? Pretty sure that did not evolve. So this morning... What do y'all think about this? This is something. Let's finish this chapter. Verse 43. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. No foreigner or hired worker may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house, and you shall not take any of the flesh outside of the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord... Let all his males be circumcised, that he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. All the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded, Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought people out of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by their host. Okay. There were one million plus Israelites, but there were also some Egyptians and some other people sprinkled in among those people. Did you know that? You say, well, how were they saved? How Was their firstborn killed? Not if they applied the blood. The way, the way that people ultimately put faith in the Lord was to circumcise their males. That was the symbolic way of declaring that we are going to serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see, the Lord didn't just come for the Israelites or for the, the Christian folk. He came for the whole world. So many times in the church, you know that day when, when God told these people, the Israelites this, you know there were some people that were upset. They said, well, we can't let these foreigners come worship. We can't let them 
go with us to inherit the land? And God said, well, they're going to because the blood applies to them as well. It's a beautiful picture of what happens to us as Gentiles. If you're not Jewish this morning, you're grafted in. You're grafted into the family. You're adopted into the family of God. Adopted. Isn't that awesome? The Lord takes you in to be his personal child. Matthew 26, as we close, Matthew 26, Jesus observes the Passover with his disciples. He says in Matthew 26, verse 26, this is my blood of the covenant that is poured out for many. And instead of the blood of a lamb being spread on a doorpost, the blood of Christ was shed on a cross. Christ is our Passover lamb that has been crucified. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, Cleanse out the old leaven, the yeast, that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Jesus fulfills Exodus 12 in the gospel. So what about you? Do you know the Lord? Have you put faith in the blood of Jesus to save you? The doctrine of the atonement is true. Christ died for you to be your substitute. Substitutionary atonement. To take your place. But for the blood to be applied, we must repent of our sins, put our faith in Christ. Have you done that today? Friend, I want to encourage you. You're not here by accident. The Lord brought you here. And he knew 100,000 years ago that you would be here. And he wants to work in your life and he wants to work in your heart. He wants to draw you to himself. He wants to forgive you of all your sin and put his heart in you, put his spirit in you to adopt you as his son or as his daughter. Do you know Christ today? He loves you. He has a plan for your life. He wants you to be born again. How will you respond? Let's pray.